Hello everyone, welcome back to Morning with Zay Shantari. This time we have Keiko with us. Keiko is on a mission to strengthen families by empowering the mothers, sisters, and wives who lead them. The work of overcoming emotional abuse and narcissistic manipulation led Keiko into a deep inner journey of repairing unrecognized insecurity and trauma. After learning how prevalent these issues are, she wrote a best-selling book to help other women create the same healing and growth as she has experienced, using her own life as a lesson. So hi, Kegwa. Welcome to our show. Aloha. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you for giving us your time. So um, can you tell our listeners something about yourself and what what your day-to-day life is? A day-to-day life is I'm a mom, I'm a meathead, uh, so I take care of my kids. They're getting a little older. They're One is graduated from high school and the other is a senior, so it won't be long that I have to keep taking care of my kids. Um, apologize for that. So it won't be long that I have to keep taking care of them. Um, so I'm kind of in the process, in the same way that I like to work with women, I'm kind of in the process of redesigning where I want my life to go and what, what will be ideal for me, where I'm no longer full-time as a mother, but rather, you know, part-time or as they age, even a few times a year, uh, which is what I like to work with women on. It's what my book is written around is, you know, how to determine what your ideal life is for you, as opposed to trying to follow someone else's ideal. And then how to build that out, how to create a roadmap to, get there so when i was reading about you i saw that you yourself suffer from narcissistic behavior um which led you into depression and then you worked your way out of it so what was that experience what led you into it and can you share something about this it was you know, it was like, like most abusive relationships, it was a relationship that started out and seemed so fantastic, so amazing, so ideal. He loves me so much. Uh, and I can look back now and I, I realized that I was being conditioned, but you know, in the moment, until you have come across a person like that, you don't actually believe that anyone would ever do that to you, that someone would manipulate you to use you, to abuse you. Uh, it's kind of, it's, it's a foreign concept until you've experienced it. And I can look back now and see all the ways that I was conditioned into accepting terrible treatment and being minimized and being really, I I became a, a second rate person because I was no longer my own whole self. I was practically existed for whatever it was that he needed, his emotional needs. And, you know, fast forward the, the years that I was with him. And as I was recovering from this, I, in my own personal development, I learned that there was a huge amount of insecurity that I carried inside that I didn't realize. I, I didn't know that I was insecure. I certainly wouldn't have believed it uh, if I hadn't gone down that particular path and had to face it for myself. But my light bulb moment was realizing how prevalent that is for women. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't place any blame here or there, but it is a societal conditioning that we go through that in, 
in, uh, in accordance with our biology that makes us want to connect with people, we, we allow ourselves to become, you know, second rate to the people that we love. We're not taught how to see ourselves as important. And so it's, it's a massive, a massive epidemic of insecurity that we have in this nation, not only women, but women is what I serve. So when I recognized how prevalent it was, I thought to myself, what is, what is the best way that I can fight this? Cause I can't just complain about it. I can't, I can't say things about it if I'm not going to do something about it. And I happened to meet a publisher around that point and he helped me to realize, you know, when you write a book, you can, you can reach a massive audience of people that you can't touch one-on-one. Like I can't work with every woman, even that I meet. I can't, I can't work with every woman who needs that kind of healing that I found for myself, but I can put out a resource that's available and easy access and has no barrier to entry so that those women do have the opportunity to heal themselves in the same way that I did. Um, that was um, so hard to think about. Um, to bring it on to that, um, I, I'm pretty sure you are aware of it, that this is not just your story. There are millions of women out there who start their relationship in the same manner. Um, first, first, they are dating someone, the man is perfect. Or, or whoever they're dating, they're perfect. And then they move in, everything is perfect. But the time they realize that they have been manipulated and the person who they thought is perfect or their prince charming is actually not. Um, so what, what are some red flags which women can um, identify early on in their relationships which can prevent them in getting manipulated or getting stuck in such kind of relationships in the future? Oh, gosh. Uh, I think the biggest thing, because it will vary a little bit from relationship to relationship and person to person. Um, One of the concepts that I teach is uh, from yoga. I I used to teach yoga and it's called ahimsa, which is, you know, it's very trendy right now and everybody calls it nonviolence and all these, you know, fabulous Western phrases. And I, I feel like the deeper meaning to it is simply do no harm. But we tend to think of that as do no harm to anyone else. And we forget that we allow others to do harm to us. So what I like to teach women is to use this principle in the relationship so that when there's something comes up and you're not sure if it's a red flag, you, you know, we kind of tend to go, well, it wasn't that bad or, or he didn't mean it, or it's not always like that instead of really just straight up evaluating, is this something that was harmful to me? Did this man do something that hurt me? And is he acting accordingly? Because if you hurt someone by accident, you apologize, you you atone for it, because if you love a person, you don't want to hurt them. And when we have fallen into that emotional abuse, sometimes we forget how things are supposed to look. So when we can put it in black and white terms, And just very simply, did he do something to hurt me? And the answer is either yes or no. And then it becomes very, very easy to identify red flags because there are no, you know, there's, 
people like to say it was a yellow flag. There are no yellow flags. There are red flags that we are not acknowledging because we don't have confidence in the things that we think we see. We question what we perceive and we call it a yellow flag. Really, it's a, it's a red flag. Anything that makes you have to question that person's love for you, faith in you, loyalty, their belief in you, anything that has, makes you question your place with them, that is a red flag. So a lot of times that will be that he spoke one way, he acted one way in the beginning. And then, you know, a few months later, his actions and his words don't line up with that anymore. And I think that's the biggest red flag is, is being spoken to in a certain way that we will kind of brush off because, oh, he didn't mean to hurt my feelings or he didn't mean it that way. I'm sure that's not what he intended because everything is so wonderful in the beginning. We have a hard time believing that that same wonderful person could possibly be the person that just hurt us with their words. But if we use that principle of just evaluating, yes or no, did he just hurt me? It's so easy to identify those red flags and to have faith in what you think is a red flag. Um, exactly. And I have even talked with women whose partner cheated on them and they then blame them that because you were not fulfilling my emotional needs or you were not fulfilling my physical needs, that's why I cheated, which I feel it, it's wrong. But then it makes many times, not all the time, but many times, it makes the woman question themselves and they feel like they are not enough, which is not the case. It's just that they're being manipulated by um, a person who has probably narcissistic behavior towards them. I agree. I agree 100%. A lot of what that subversive manipulation does is cause you to think that you are the fault of their actions. And you're not. You're not. No one's actions are ever a reflection of anyone but their own selves. It might be in response to something. And then the same thing goes for ourselves is like we have to remember that how we respond to their behavior is not a reflection of their behavior. It's a reflection of how much love and respect that we have for ourselves. And that's the thing that's got to come first because when you recognize that you are being treated poorly, that you're being manipulated, that you're being emotionally abused, the action that comes after that is where you have to step in and say that you respect yourself enough to know that you, that's not what you deserve, that no one deserves that, but that you cannot allow that to keep happening in your life. Because when you do, you consistently give your own subconscious mind the message that that's what you're worth. That's the behavior that you deserve. That's the treatment that is equal to your value as a person. And that's, that is the hardest part to break when you're trying to get out of that manipulation and abuse is remembering that you don't deserve that. You don't deserve it. You didn't do anything to cause it. It's not your fault that they treat you that way, but it will be your fault if you make an executive decision to stay and continue to receive it. So, Ketwa, in your own relationship, when did you realize that this is 
this is not the breaking point this is uh, enough is enough and now you need to take actions because i'm pretty sure it would happen gradually not suddenly so what was your breaking point or turning point which you felt okay um, i'm not the person who's wrong here i'm the one who's being manipulated and the other person or the partner is the one who is um, emotionally abusing you or manipulating you I would say that the very first point where I got to that awareness, um, I was listening to podcasts. I was trying to better myself. I was trying to go into business and I was listening to a podcast, an old podcast called the MFCEO project. And the host of that podcast, Andy Frisella was talking about an experience that he had with a former girlfriend and how he realized, you know, that she was not going to be a permanent girlfriend. Like they, they did not have lifelong connection. And the phrase that he used, which was the light bulb for me, was when he said that she was an anchor. And you, if you're trying to go forward in your life, if you're trying to make things happen, if you're trying to improve, you can't have people bringing anchors onto your boat. You have to drop the anchor and get a propeller. And in that moment, when I was listening to that, I realized that that's exactly what my boyfriend at the time was. He was, he was not an ambitious person. He, he was happy to ride my coattails on the things that I did, but it was like dragging an anchor, trying to build a life with him. And that was my, so that was my, I would say that was the turning point that made me start to look at his behavior and question it. From there, I started to compare the things that he said to me to what other people said, because he said, you know, by that point in the relationship, everything he said to me was negative. Everything about the way that my personality was to the way that I looked and the way that I acted and everything. So I start once I realized, you know, I think this man is an anchor and not a propeller. I started to compare the things that he would say about me to what other people would say without, without me asking them, what kind of feedback did I get in my professional life? You know, how did my friends treat me? What kind of descriptive words would they use? What, what did they think of my personality and my characteristics? And I came to realize that he was the only person in my life that thought negative things about me, that spoke negative things about me, that made me feel less than that made me feel like I wasn't a good person. From there, it got so much easier to start to distance myself from him emotionally. Like I, I won't say that this was a fast process because it was not. It it's still it takes work to separate yourself from the conditioning that someone has put on you. But from there I started to recognize more often when he was saying things specifically that were manipulative. I started being able to recognize what kind of situations would prompt that behavior from him. I started to recognize what behavior of my own could prevent him from acting that way or trigger him to acting that way. And little by little, I became... And, and this is this is also common to all women who leave relationships. 
I became emotionally divorced from him when I realized he was never going to change, that this behavior was never going to go away, that there was no level of happiness that we could achieve in our relationship that would make him be open and honest all the time and trusting and kind to me again. And when I hit that point, when I had that realization, that was that was the beginning of the end. It, it was still a little difficult to separate completely because we had raised um, children together. You know, he had been in my children's lives and I had raised his son from infancy. So that separation, the actual physical separation was difficult, you know, because it's complicated when there are children involved. But the moment that I realized what it was that he was doing to me was when my healing started. When I was able to let his words roll off of my back, that was when my healing began. Um, so, Keikwa, um, first of all, um, you have come a long way and just want to let you know that we are proud of you. Um, and you also had kids. And I know because I hope this podcast got off and I talked to many people, many, many women um, just like you. And I know many, many, many women, they don't um, leave your abusive or manipulative partner because the kids are involved. Um, so how did you make sure that even even though the kids were involved, you still go ahead and take, take the step and make sure that your kids are not left um, traumatized? How did you make sure that whatever was happening between you and your partner wasn't leaving a negative scar on your kids? You know, I cannot 100% say that it didn't leave any negative residue for them to absorb because it, it's very easy to say that if there's physical abuse, you know, it, it they saw it or they didn't. And emotional abuse is, is different because it's so subversive. I, I know that they saw some of his behavior because he did not think he was an abusive person. He, you know, he didn't think he was doing anything wrong. He, he thought he was a completely rational, reasonable person. And they saw that. And the beautiful thing about my own personal journey is that I, I came to a point where I could share it with them so that they've, they've kind of walked through my growth with me and they've had growth as well. And I, I think that's a critical thing for parents in general, not just mom, but we, we have this, we have this fear that we can't let our children see, you know, where we made wrong decisions, where we were vulnerable, things that we, we, that we regret. And I think that sharing those things with my children, honestly, and, and this has to be, of course, age appropriate, you know, not every child can, can walk through this at their age, but I, I believe that sharing my journey with them little by little, helping them understand where I was and listening and trying to understand where they were and how they perceived it, I think is the biggest, the 
biggest and best thing that I did in keeping it from being long-term harm to them. Hmm. Um, and I think what you have done, um, you, I believe you have done everything in your power to make sure that they have kept safe. So I know that now you have other women overcome emotional abuse and um, depression, which they have been fed into. Um, so how, how, how do you help them and how much time it takes? And I'm asking this because I'm pretty sure there are many other women who are listening to this and would be definitely reaching out to you regarding this. So how does your program work? How do you help them? Uh, how much time it takes? And can you share something, some insights regarding that? Um, so the, the focus of when I work with women and the same thing that I wrote my book around is to help them figure out what is their ideal life, you know, not just following up whatever the neighbor is doing or what your cousin is doing or your best friend, but really figuring out what's valuable to you so that you can design the life that you actually want to live and then how to create that roadmap to how are we going to get there? What are the steps that we take? What do we do? How do we be active towards these goals? And trying to draw out and uncover, you know, unconscious programming and subconscious beliefs, because a lot of times, um, and I can say this from my own experience, a lot of times what we believe and what we think we believe are not the same thing. I believed that I was a strong woman and that I could never I could never be abused, but I was. My my subconscious mind and my conscious mind did not have the same thoughts and programming going on. So part of my journey has been trying to figure out some of that unconscious stuff and rewrite the stuff that needs to be rewritten and so like that I I help women do that. And then at the base of it all is learning self-respect because self-love is a very trendy word. It gets thrown around self-care, but self-respect is the base that comes underneath all of that because you will only accept in life what your subconscious unconscious mind really believes that you're worth. Not the image that you have, not the title at your job, not how much money you make, but what you really internally value yourself at, whether you're aware of it or not, is going to be the determining factor of what you accomplish in life and what you have in other people around you and how you treat people. And it's really, in my opinion, it is the baseline for everything. When I went through this journey and dug out all the shit that I was insecure about and everything that I hated to have to face, it all came down at the bottom to self-respect self-love grows out of self-respect mm. that totally makes sense and it puts things put things into more clearer perspective so have you encountered any woman which was facing the same problem as you in your program when you're helping them and um, so what I'm trying to ask is generally the women who come to you, what are some, some of the main causes uh, which they are, which, which is make, which are making them to come to you and ask for help? Like, is, is it depression? Is it being abused? Uh, what are those? 
it i would say that having depression the symptoms of depression having fallen into abuse those are symptoms and not a cause uh most of the women that i speak with are women who they're no longer in the abusive relationship they have when they find me they are on their way out of it or they have already come out of it and so they're in the beginning of healing themselves and learning that self-love and respect um I would say if you are in that situation, if you are right now in abuse, whether it's physical or emotional, you have to find for yourself the support system that can help you because you can do it on your own, but it's freaking hard. It is hard having a support system around you, especially if, if your safety is an issue you've got to find the system that can help you and there's there's always somebody we we get conditioned into believing that our value is so low that we really think there's no one who can help me there's no one who cares there's no one i can turn to and that's just not it's not true that is a symptom of the abuse that you're going through for you to think that it's 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 the devaluation that you have experienced that makes you think that there's no one to help you there is there absolutely is. And if you are going through it, find yourself that support system, even if it's virtual, even if it's a bunch of women on the internet all over the world, or if it's inside your city, find yourself a support system. Yeah, uh, so I was actually about to talk to you about the support system. Um, what about the women who don't have a support system, are introvert or are kept? are un unable to find a support system because that makes decision a bit more harder than the people who do have a support system to rely on. Um, what can they do? How can they build a support system? How can they find people who will support them, even if it's on internet? What can they do to have that connection and have that network which they can rely on? There's, I think it's a little bit more difficult if you live, you know, in a small town where the resources are so spread out or harder to come by. But as you mentioned, there are like the, in, I mean, there's nothing that you can't get on the internet. There are a million and one groups on Facebook that are supportive for women who are in it and trying to get out of it or who have been through it before. There are, you know, therapy sources online. There are coaches like myself which I, I want to make sure we don't conflate therapy with coaching because coaching can be a great, um, a complement to therapy. It is not a replacement. It's, it's a great resource. Um, and there's literally like, there's no shortage of people that you can find on the internet who know and understand your situation. And if nothing else, they can stand by you. They can be a supportive shoulder. They can be, you know, the person that you turn to, they can be the person that you can express, that you can brainstorm with, that you can figure out, that you can turn to when you really need them. There, there are absolutely people there. Please don't ever think that you cannot create a support system because it, you absolutely can. That's good.
Thank you for sharing that. Um, just uh, one more thing which I had was the people who are listening to you who would like to reach out to you. How can they reach out to you and where can they reach out to you? And again, how much do you think it will cost them? And can you share something for the people who would be reaching out to you? Um, you can uh, find me on Instagram. My handle is H-B-I-C-K-E-K-U-A, H-B-I-C-K-U-A. I am on Facebook. I I am available to answer questions, to, you know, I will always offer as much as I can, whether a person is able to contract my services or not. If I, if I cannot coach them, I will still give them whatever I can. Um, there are resources like my book. My book is called Do Big Shit, which is on Amazon. Um, but even if it's not my book, there are other women who have, it's not as many as men who have written books that are to help you grow, but there are many women who have created similar resources. There, there is no shortage, no shortage. You just have to be willing to look for it. There are podcasts. There are, as I said, there are support groups on uh, Facebook, on Instagram. There's, I mean, even you can find things on TikTok. TikTok is a little insane, but you can even find supportive stuff on there. So reach out to me, um, Keikua Kobashigawa on Facebook, HBIC Keikua on Instagram. My website is Keikua K, K-E-K-U-A-K. Uh, there are free resources there. There's a workbook that you can download to work on creating your roadmap, deciding what your your ideal life would look like, creating the roadmap, how to engineer your goals out so that you can accomplish them. And that's free. Um, you can buy it as, on Amazon as well, but the download is completely free um, because I wanted to make these things available to just as many women as possible. That is such a nice and sweet gesture from your end, Kipa. Really appreciate it and uh, really looking forward to the to, to more things which you'll accomplish and really hope for you to be more successful in life. Once again, thank you so much for giving us your time. It really, really means a lot. And like, I personally have learned so many things from you and I'm sure our listeners would have uh, learned immensely as well. So thank you for giving us your time and have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you so much for having me. You too. Aloha. Okay.